Good morning. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Andrew. I'm also a member of staff. And we're carrying on this morning in our series on stewardship, giving, generosity, um, in particular in light of the third phase of our building project, which is just about to start. So that's a bit of a frame for the talk you're about to hear, especially if you haven't been coming regularly to St. Matthew's. Um, in the, you might be familiar with the history, the very, very early history of the Christian church. Because not long after Jesus returned to be with his father, the Holy Spirit was released on his disciples, who then, in the power of the Holy Spirit, started to announce this great news, that Jesus indeed was risen, he was ascended, it was uh, possible for people to be reconnected with God by trusting in him. And the church grew so quickly that the apostles made the wise move to appoint what they called deacons to take care of waiting on tables or the organisation of the church so that they could be dedicated to the preaching and teaching of the word and prayer. And Stephen was one of the deacons who was elected to take care of the organising of love in church, if I can put it that way. But he was obviously also someone not only full of the Holy Spirit, but very, very aware of the big picture of God's promises to his people and the world because when he was called in front of the Jewish ruling council that had also tried Jesus, he gave a really, really full explanation of what God had been working out through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and now completed in the Lord Jesus. And the picture was so full and his confidence was so great that they stoned him because he couldn't take a backward step from testifying that Jesus really was God's Messiah. And in the weeks and months and years that followed that, those people who were followers of Jesus left Jerusalem, many of them left Jerusalem, and the remnant of the Christian church that remained at Jerusalem was really having a hard time, experiencing persecution and famine. And that's kind of the context for 2 Corinthians chapter 8. What Paul and others have been doing amongst the Christian churches that have been now established outside of Jerusalem is taking up a collection for the Christians who are having a hard time in Jerusalem, those whose faith is being tested there. And what he says basically is he's kind of testing the faith of the Corinthians, if I can put it that way, saying, how sincere is your love and how are you going to keep showing that in giving money to support the saints in Jerusalem. That's the test that Paul is putting on them in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And he's kind of, he's kind of saying this. Did the generous self-giving of the Lord Jesus mean his people, about 1,500 kilometres away from Jerusalem, have to keep being generous back to their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem? And he says this. You might like to look from verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And here's the reason he's saying it all. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is a love test. Is the Lord Jesus' love reflected in their love for Jerusalem? Is the generosity of the Lord Jesus reflected in their generosity for the Christians in Jerusalem? Obviously, like I've already said, the reason for our series right now is the new church building. So let's be really clear. It's not a crisis. Um, It's not an emergency. Nothing of the magnitude of what the Jerusalem church was facing. But it is an opportunity for us to do a heart check. It gives us a chance to do a generosity or a partnership check. And that's what I'm I'm going to be pressing into that um, in the conclusion of my talk today. And the question is this. How sincere is my love for the Lord Jesus and how is that going to show in generous partnership with others who are going to come after me and use this building and that building and who knows what else? But that's the challenge for me to check in on my heart and the challenge for you to be checking in on your heart and for us all to be considering the part that we're going to play in contributing financially to that. Please join me and let's pray. We need God's help as we do it to stay awake, to stay alert And hear his voice as he comes to us through his word now. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks that you already have, Father. You've poured out your grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. Hallelujah. We're so thankful. Please help us to hear this good news of your grace again today. And to allow your Holy Spirit to do that heart check on us, Father, so that we might see whether or not the Lord Jesus' generosity is also overflowing through ours. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So my first point is this. The whole talk is actually entitled The Generosity of Jesus, but the first point is the same title, The Generosity of Jesus. Because the reason for this love test is the generosity, the gracious love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to, I'm going to read verse 9 again. That's my key verse for today. It's a cracker. Um, it's so good. Verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So, This is the foundation of everything that Paul wants to say. It's the reason the conversation gets started. Christian giving, real Christian generosity, is what Jesus already did. It's so good. I love Christianity for this reason. I love the Lord Jesus for this reason. Because the bedrock of everything is what's already been done. It's so great. His generosity poured out completely on us as he emptied himself. So he intervened when we didn't deserve it. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He ransomed us because we couldn't pay. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, he swapped his riches for rags. I really enjoyed that theme at Christmas time. We looked at this verse Jesus, the riches to rags baby. 
our saviour. He left his relationship with God to reverse our relationship with God. (laughs) So those enriched by his undeserved generosity would bless and care for and enrich others. So Jesus' generous, excessive, lavish grace in his self-emptying and self-giving is the reason and model for generous Christian living. He is the reason for us. (laughs) His grace is the reason for us to show grace. His generosity to us is the reason for our generosity out to others. His self-sacrifice is the reason for us actually to sacrifice ourselves. So a couple of points here before we move on. This isn't necessarily all about money. Verse 7 makes that really, really clear because he's talking to them there about the fullness of the Christian life and what that looks like. And he says also giving is a subset of that. So it's not necessarily about money, but it can be. And a personal reflection of my own, um, up until the age of 14, I worked various jobs, and you've heard me refer to those before. My mum got me a job at the age of 12 at the Canberra Village Pharmacy. Then my colleagues had uh, pity on me, and they got me a job at the ShopRite supermarket, which is now Woolies at the Canberra Village. And then I really hit the big time. I got a job at McDonald's. (laughs) And I was pretty pleased with myself that I was getting paid around about four bucks an hour. I really felt like I'd hit the big time. And especially that independence, I had my own money, I could do what I liked, more or less, as a 13 or 14 year old might be able to do. But all that paled to insignificance when I met the Lord Jesus um, round about year nine. Um, I remember the night that I became a Christian realising Jesus has copped such a, a really bad deal so that I could get an excellent deal. And as I, as I realised the fullness of reconnection with God, blessing in this life, eternity in the next, Maccas started to look like uh, the breadcrumbs, you know, under a very beautiful feasting table. And I started, I think, to appreciate Jesus more and more, but, but move from one thing to another. This is what I mean. Instead of maybe thinking to myself, how much do I have to give? I move from that to saying, how much can I give? (laughs) Because I just have everything now. And I'm just freed, actually, from the insecurity of of, of trusting myself in this life and the insecurity of not knowing what lies beyond death. And so it absolutely revolutionised my world. Jesus has changed my life. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment as we kind of consider what it looks like when we actually deal with money and think about partnership for the sake of Christ. But here's the question for the Corinthians. Are they captivated? Are they gripped by the love of God in Christ? And obviously the question for us then becomes, are we? So that's the generosity of Jesus. Second point, the generosity of the Macedonians. The generosity of the Macedonians absolutely demonstrates that they are gripped. (laughs) And that's why Paul will will say they are a great example. Have a look again at verses 1 to 5, because we hear about just how gripped they are as it manifests itself in their generosity. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. 
in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So Paul's confident to say that the Macedonians have received the generosity of Jesus because they are transformed by it and living it out. Now, the Macedonians are a group of people in the northern part of Greece. And I'd I'd encourage you actually to backtrack and just do a little bit of uh, backgrounding through Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 17 later today. Because what you find there is that Paul has gone to Philippi and then to Thessalonica and then to Berea and then from there down to Athens. And he's, he's been sharing the good news of Jesus in all those places. But geographically, they are about 1,500, 1,600 k's away from Jerusalem, where this all got started. Yet their generosity shows they know the Jesus who died for them there. So this, this word has gone out. They've received it. It's transforming them. And they are living it. So just a couple of things to note. Macedonian Macedonian mathematics is a Jesus-like equation. Here's what I mean. Severe trial plus overflowing joy, I take it, in knowing Christ and having your sins forgiven and being reconnected to the God of the universe, plus extreme poverty equals rich generosity. Wow. (laughs) What an equation. (laughs) But that's Jesus-like, isn't it? And Macedonian relationships are Jesus-like living. In verse 5, we hear that they give themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to others. This is Jesus, isn't it? In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the cross, his eyes and his mind and his whole being is focused on the Father, first and foremost, and then second, out to everyone else that he's serving and ministering to. And look what's happening in the Macedonians. As in Philippians chapter 2, the Lord Jesus, he leaves his father, he takes on the likeness of a servant, a servant actually who dies for others, and the next steps for those who actually trust in him are being like him. In Philippians 2, the people who are mentioned there are commended because they do not consider their own interests first. They're actually looking out for the interests of others. And that's what's happening with the Macedonians. They are partners with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're partners with the apostles and they're partners with Christ's people. And that showed in financial sharing to God's people 1,600 kilometres away. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So just a couple of things to note here. This is a remarkable thing that's happening because it's cross-cultural, it's multi-ethnic, it's inter-tribal and it's Christ-based unity. I met up with a brother yesterday morning. Um, His origins are from India and as we were just talking, he said, um, for people like you, uh, you you would look at India from the outside and think that it is just one whole country, one whole people. And he said it could not be further from the truth. 
Um, where I grew up, we speak a particular language. In, in lots of other cities, there are different languages. There are different cultural practices. There are different religious convictions. We can't straight up just talk with each other. The more I'm finding out now about our Aboriginal culture in preparation for the trip to Nooka in June, um, that is also becoming clear. Nooka itself is an unusual and difficult place because it became a mission that was rescuing people um, who were being hunted down by uh, the commercial traders of the time. It gathered about 15 different tribes, 15 different languages, which ensures that it's very difficult to live there. But do you understand what's happening here? The people in Macedonia who would have differences between them from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea to Athens, they are not the same, but they've been united in Christ so much that they want to show unity with their Christian brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. It's a major work of God that is taking place here. They are not thinking of themselves first as they normally would in their tribe or their language group or their ethnic grouping. I remember um, a moment working in the graphic design studio here in the city, uh, a, a business called Brave Design, and um, it would be the case that um, each week there would be a staff meeting and staff would take it in turns just to, to present something that they thought it might have been of interest to everyone or um, could have been professional interest, could have been just a personal thing. And I remember the owner of the business, uh, when it came his turn one time, he spoke about personal finances. And the thing that stuck in my head that he said was this, when you get paid, the first thing you must do is pay yourself. I heard that again recently, you know, this is a common bit of advice. And when he said that, I sat there thinking, that's not right. <laughs> I think of Jesus first, actually. <laughs> and I think about his priorities for my life and my money. And I actually think about how my money is, at least 10% of it as a minimum, is going to be used for his purposes, and I'm going to talk about that in a, in a moment. And then I'm going to think about um, how I might be able to help others, and then I might think about myself third or fourth or fifth down that list, but I certainly don't pay myself first. <laughs> what happens in God's economy when you know Jesus, as he's poured out himself, and you start to not only understand that and receive it, you're transformed by it. <laughs> And so that his priorities actually become your priorities and your priorities are transformed. So remember the Macedonian mathematics? <laughs> they just really try to lay themselves down. And they exceed, they go beyond their ability to actually contribute. But that's Jesus in them. So how does generosity of Jesus show in the Corinthians and then in us? My third point, the generosity of the Corinthians, or is it? So you can see in the title there, I've got an exclamation mark and a question mark. Because it's, it's kind of the subtext here. Corinthians, you know the love of the Lord Jesus. We know you. Are you actually still on about his love? That's what God is asking of them through Paul. Is the love of Christ in their hearts enough to keep showing financial generosity in this Jerusalem partnership? So let me just reread verses 8 and 9. Paul says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And I think someone quite rightly in our life group on Monday night pulled up 
on this and said, hang on a sec, is that a Christian attitude to be comparing and uh, contrasting and, and, you know, and it's a good question. And then as I reflected on that very excellent, helpful question, I read on to verse 9. Here's the comparison. (laughs) For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So in the Christian life, where's the the primary comparison? It's me to Jesus. It's you to Jesus. It's Jesus to you. It's Jesus to me. Praise God, it's, it's a comparison of grace so that when we do compare ourselves to him and we realize there is no comparison, God's grace actually comes in and says, I forgive you and picks you back up, picks me back up and says, come in, don't stay out. But nonetheless, Jesus is the model and the example as much as he is our saviour. So before going too hard on this, I want to be clear and fair to our Corinthian brethren because I think it would be just easy um, to not deal with the text well and slap them about a bit. So in fairness to them, he's saying to them, come on, complete this year's giving, which you'd said you'd do. So the context is relationship. The context is them promising. And he's just saying, come on, do what you said you'd do. And he's, he's talking to them about this act of grace. So it's not demanded. It's not commanded. They're responding to God's riches at Christ's expense, which they know. And he's saying, he is talking about giving, but he's saying, no, it's just one part of the Christian life. So already look back at verse 7, and he's talking about trusting. He's talking about sound speech. He's talking about being informed about the good news of the Lord Jesus. He's talking about sincerity and loving others, and he talks about giving. He doesn't want to discuss specific amounts with them and he doesn't want to make them poor and place them in difficulty. He's just simply saying, put your money where your mouth is. Remember Jesus. Willingly give the financial gift for the sake of equality so that each have what they need and so that your plenty at this time will supply the needs of others. And he's throwing back there to what happened in the wilderness. Recorded in Exodus, the Lord himself rescues them, provides the manna and the quail, And he provides exactly as much as anyone needs. And guess what happens now in the Christian church? That's what we need to be on about. (laughs) Knowing each other well enough so that we can supply the needs of one another. But nonetheless, here is the love test. Does Jesus' generosity, which shows in the Macedonian generosity, show in the Corinthian generosity? So a couple of things to note and a reflection He's talking about Jesus because following Jesus shows him being like Jesus. That's a good thing for us to kind of wrestle with. Is that happening for us? And we need to see that he's talking about grace, not money. So in fact, um, I probably should just say here, it's probably better to pause in your thought and in your wrestling with what I'm talking about this morning if verse 9 is not really clear to you yet. If you can't really say, I know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, you probably just need to stop there. (laughs) Um, Because otherwise, what you're going to hear me saying in just a moment is is just do, 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 do. And I don't want you to fall into that trap, nor does the Lord God. That's why he's put verse 9 there. (laughs) So what Paul wants to actually draw them back to all the time is the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ and appropriate thankful response to that. So you just need to check in with that. But money will show our heart. 
you can tell how our following of Jesus is going by checking with the way that we use our wallet, with the way that our bank accounts actually relate to anything that the Lord Jesus is on about. So are we living in partnership or going solo? Do we just think about our Christian living as ourselves or maybe just those who are really tight and closest to us? Or are we thinking about God's purposes in the world? Because at this point, it's better to stop and audit yourself and get your heart sorted so it actually beats for Jesus and so that your life actually shows it because it's better to have no buildings and a heart that beats for Christ than beautiful buildings and a dead heart. So let me just say that again. I I like it and I think it's right. But I think it's really, really important. It's better to have no building and a heart that beats for Jesus than beautiful buildings and a dead heart. That's pretty well what we saw last week in Jesus assessing the people who were giving out of their abundance and the widow who gives her two copper coins. And he says, now I'll tell you the analysis of heaven, what's going on here. She gets it right. She gets it right. Because her heart is completely devoted to the Lord and and she is trusting him completely. But even more than that, how serious Jesus is. Mark records in the next chapter, Mark chapter 13, out they walk from the temple and his disciples say to him, Lord, look at all these beautiful buildings. Look how magnificent and wonderful they are. And he says, not a stone will remain on stone. This whole place is coming down. It's a key moment for him basically saying Israel has misunderstood the grace of God because everything that they've engineered is not about God's mercy. So much so that they would leave a poor widow being poor. She should never have existed in Israel if they were actually doing what God said they should be doing. But lo and behold, in the presence of the rich, a woman is allowed to be poor and destitute. They have not understood the grace of God. And so that's the challenge for us. And we want to pray for ourselves, and I think especially for the building committee, and I do praise God for the the Christ-centred heart of those on the building committee, but pray even more that the building committee's first prayer and our first prayer and this whole thing that's just about to take off, you might have noticed some of the changes this morning, that's just after the working bee yesterday. (laughs) Watch this space, right? But we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters that they are praying for us that this whole thing is going to be about Jesus and not about a building. Because if we get that wrong, we'll be guaranteeing actually that people will be seeing the building and forgetting about Christ. So the Corinthians are being asked to take a love test, a heart check, Do they have a sincere love like that of Jesus? So as I come into this final point, I'm just going to say again what I said at the start, and I've said along the way, the building project is not an emergency. Our building project is not a crisis like what was going on in Jerusalem, but it is an opportunity to check our hearts. And that's why I've entitled this last point, Our Intentional Grace. Because how does the undeserved kindness and mercy of God in Christ show itself in our intentional organising of grace to others? And this is kind of what I mean. The undeserved favour that created the relationship with God and with each other is to be the intentional ongoing grace that characterises it. So the thing that gets it all started has to be the thing that actually keeps it going. And that is the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. So... 
I'm going hyper-practical in this last point, but I need to make some caveats because what I'm about to do, some of you will deeply object to and some of you will be really glad that I've done it. Okay? Because what I'm about to share with you is how I organise intentional grace in giving in partnership with others off the back of what I earn. And I feel like it's really, really important because what I've discovered recently, and that's why we're partly why I'm so keen on soap that Ian has kind of brought to us, um, I've assumed a lot about people's Bible reading habits and that people being taught how to read the Bible. And that's bad because it means that people like me just assume that everyone gets it and I don't do anything about teaching it. But I think that could be the case with regard to giving. Okay, And so I'm going to be really super practical in, in these last kind of two points that I'm going to make. So the big frame. I really seek to put Jesus over everything. I then ask, Lord, how can you use me? The gifts and abilities that you're giving me, how can they be best put to your service? The money that you're giving me, how does that get portioned out so that it reflects actually your priorities in this world? The time that I've got available, how can I make that available to other people in the name of Jesus, whether that's clear or, or not? It's just my kind of hidden motivation. So what that has meant is, um, at least as far as I'm concerned and Sarah and I are concerned and our family's been concerned, it's basically taken us into vocational service, okay, and Italy, and a, a, at least 16 years of not earning anything that we would bank, but always saying in the context of that, at least 10% is our minimum, and even as missionaries on the field, we would make sure that we kept getting our hearts right by ensuring that we would give 10% of what we were sent to live on. Um, we don't own a house, and it's highly unlikely that we will. <laughs> but I'm, as I look forward into the future, I often can be quite anxious because of our financial situation, but when I look back in the past, I see God's provision and all my fears disappear. Um, because it's a miracle that we're actually here where we are today, I believe. Um, but that has been because of partnership with him and partnership with you, quite seriously. Um, because St Matthews has been responsible in the past and also now for making sure that we have enough. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. It's been good. So that's the bigger frame for me being very specific now. Can you put the next slide up, please? Yeah. So um, don't refer to any money that we pass on as giving. It's returning. And I think that's in keeping with what David says in 1 Chronicles 29. <laughs> Everything we've got just comes from you. So I even just have changed the language of how we think about it. So it's a return. It's not giving. Monthly income. So I give after tax. When the tax return comes, I kind of tithe on that as well. You can come and talk to me about that afterwards if you don't think that's a good idea, if, that, if that's, that's not right. But what I've done here is grouped our returning by concentric circles, close to far. But it's all about relationship, people's relationship with Christ. So St Matt's general giving, 100 bucks a month. Since the pledging, St Matt's building, 100 bucks a month. City Bible Forum, which works in uh, offices in Canberra to be promoting Christ and gathering Christians so that they can be strengthened and also grow in sharing Jesus. Um... What is that? Sydney Uni EU. So uh, I've had a historic connection with Sydney Uni EU, but in particular, my daughter is at, at, uni, is at Sydney University and she's part of the EU, so I'm also investing in ministry to her. Um, we are investing in ministry to her. CMS, the Church Missionary Society, um, 
Christ-centred, Bible-based sending organisation. We were sent by CMS. This church supports CMS. We want um, a world that knows Jesus. That's what they're seeking to promote. Bible society, literally putting the Bible into languages that people can understand and putting the Bible into people's hands so that they can um, know the Lord by his word. Open doors supports persecuted Christians around the world. So that fits pretty well, I think, with 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, that our brothers and sisters would be supported both spiritually and materially. Compassion, we support a compassion child in El Salvador. That's a material provision, but also some spiritual input. Plan is an international organisation that is seeking to feed malnourished girls and women in difficult situations around the world. I was holed up one day by a guy down at um, South Point. I listened to him for too long. I felt that was a good idea, what they were on about, and felt that we needed to expand also um, our giving um, and to, in a more humanitarian kind of a way. And since the Ukraine war, humanitarian assistance with OM, so that's $100 a month. Um, so that takes us out to about $800 a month just off my salary, which is around about 12%. So I've kind of worked off 10% being a minimum, trying to push into generosity beyond that. So that's the bigger frame for me talking now about how I'm thinking about giving into the building project. And before the next slide, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, when I was a teenager, I didn't realise I was cleaning these bricks for you. And as I reflected on that, it's been a really cool thing to reflect on, because I had no idea I was paying it forward. Um, it was kind of an, a, a fun initially to be cleaning bricks with that brick machine, brick cleaning machine, and then as it became, uh, as it dawned on me that this was going to be a prolonged thing, that the, there were lots of bricks and we needed to keep persevering, it was a big deal. But it's been such an excellent thing that um, to be a partner with you in providing a place where the gospel would keep being preached that I didn't even know about was going to be so significant. And this place has been very significant for us as you sent us, as we would come back each time and the gospel was still being preached here. Um, this has been an excellent investment for really a minimal kind of input, right? And I praise God for the, the working bee yesterday because I know at least of one person who turned up because he says, I don't have a lot of money, but I've got some time. And so he turned up. Praise God. <laughs> so good. So the benefit from the building is going to be a forward benefit. Um, it's putting a roof over the growth that's been happening, but our prayer needs to be that it's going to be a centre for gospel ministry and future partnership not burdened by debt. So that's, a, that's kind of our push at the moment. Why do we want to see if we can really put a super dent in the money that we expect to pay quickly, it's because we just won't pay as much, but also we will not leave a legacy of debt for those who come after us. So it's just gonna be a wonderful expression of partnership if we can have a really good crack at that. But like I said before, our best prayer must be that what goes on in that place is determined by this, by the Lord through his word, because if it's not, we've lost it. We've absolutely lost it, and our, our efforts will come to zero. Worse than that. So before the last slide comes up, I need to say this. Um, with the figure that I'm about to mention, some of you will look at that and think, I can do heaps more than that. And so you should. And some of you will look at the figure that I'm about to put up, and even some of the figures I put up there saying, oh, I can never do that. You don't have to. <laughs> because the principle is generosity with what God has given you.
not that we all give the same amount. So please be very, very clear about that, okay? Some will give a lot numerically, some will give a little numerically, but paying it forward, our brothers and sisters in the future will have what they need. And that's what we want. Can you put up the next slide, please? So this is how we are thinking about it. To contribute $12,500 over the next four years, which would be roughly $3,125 a year, $260 a month, $65 a week. So the figure at the bottom is wrong. That'll push at least the giving on my side of our income up to about 16% of the total. So that's going to hurt. Um, that will mean a sacrifice. and There'll be some things that we won't do as a result of it. But I feel like it's a good heart check for me and for us to press into generosity rather than just kind of be laying aside some stuff for ourselves into the future. Because um, like I said, when I look forward into the future, I get a bit nervous. I'm still trusting God. When I look into the past, I breathe a massive sigh of relief because I know how faithful he's been. But for each of us that we would contemplate how our partnership paying it forward is going to look and relax, it's not going to be the same for each of us. And like I said before, for some of, some people, some of you, you'll look at that and think, 65 bucks a week, I can four times that, five times that, please do. But others of you, I mean, there we go. Do I hear an amen? Yeah, at least one from the front here on my right. Um, but others of you will look at that and think, I cannot do that. No problem. No problem. Because those of us who are able to, we will to ensure that those who can't now and can't in the future will have what they need. That's our task. No problem. Please join me. Let's pray that the Lord would move us as he wills. Let's pray. Father, please help us to see that it's better to have no building and a heart that beats for Jesus than plenty of beautiful buildings and a dead heart to your grace. Uh, we're just so thankful for your goodness to us in Jesus. We don't deserve it, but we'll certainly take it. Um, and Lord, we know that with the help of your Holy Spirit, we can have buildings that are functional and good and hearts that beat for Jesus. So we pray that you would do that miracle in us, um, not just in us, Lord, who are part of this generation preparing this building, but for the generations to come, Lord God, that what they would understand of us is your grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.